Hi, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor here at Thrive. I hope today's message helps you to know Jesus more and to make him known. Well, good morning. They kept me in the dark here. Happy Mother's Day, man. How you guys doing? It's good to have you with us today. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We wouldn't be here without you. All right, that's the only dad took him a gift today. Right? So hopefully, hopefully you got that. Anyway, we're in a series right now in the book of Acts, and we're 22 weeks looking at the book of Acts post-resurrection Sunday and looking at what the greatest movement has ever been in the history of the world. You and I get to be a part of that, and we're journeying through. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 5 today, Acts 5. Um, when I bought my first house, when I put the contract on my first house, um, it was really a nightmare, to be honest with you. The house was renovated. It was a cute little place in Lakeside. And I thought, well, hey, this will be an amazing place. It's got cool updated features. Uh, it looked really great until I got an inspector to come in. And this inspector was awesome. He was like a walking HGTV show. Like he knew everything about everything. It was phenomenal. And what he began to notice was little tiny things where corners were cut. He said, that's a red flag to me because they're cutting corners on little small things like this. I guarantee there's big things they're cutting corners on too that they're hiding from you. Well, sure enough, got to the point, they had painted over a, a, actually a fire that had happened in the attic and never disclosed it and had hid that. And so um, I was able to get out of the contract for that. I was able to not have to you know, get that house. But what I want to do today is, is show you how sometimes in our walk with Jesus and as followers of Christ, we, we often are just like that contractor. The contractor lacked something and needed something that he didn't have. And many times, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is why we give Christianity a black eye. This is why sometimes people don't want to follow Jesus, because we lack the very thing that contractor lacked. As a matter of fact, in Acts 5, the Apostle Luke, or excuse me, the doc, Dr. Luke, he shows us there um, how this happens with the apostles and with some people in the early church. And if you're new here and you're like, man, I'm not sure what the book of Acts even is, what it is is this. The guy, Luke, who was a doctor, as I said before, he was someone who came to faith later. He didn't follow Jesus whenever Jesus was on the earth. He came to faith a little later, and he was there walking with the Apostle Paul. He served with the Apostle Paul. He's the only non-Jewish writer we know of in the New Testament. But here's what he does. He compiles two books. The first one's the Gospel of Luke. Now, he wasn't there personally, so what did he do? As a doctor, he went and researched and had interviews and met with people and wanted to find out what are the facts about Jesus' life. And then he didn't only stop there because he wrote this to a friend named Theophilus who was maybe questioning Christianity or didn't know. We're not sure where his faith was at. But he writes a second book to Theophilus, which is called the book of Acts. And it's the history of the early church. Once Jesus resurrected, he just didn't resurrect and go to heaven. He spent 40 days on earth teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And then he tells them, he says, go and go to this upper room and pray. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And when he does... You're going to be my witnesses, and this is really important for the rest of the book of Acts. My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the outermost parts of the earth. And so what happens is they do that. They go, they pray. The Holy Spirit fills them. People are getting saved left and right. Jewish people are. They're becoming Christians. They're believing upon Christ as the Jewish Messiah. Um, and then persecution begins to arise from the Jews. The Jews get upset with Peter and John for healing a man in the name of Jesus. They're like, who is this Jesus and why are you following him? And they get scared because they thought they killed Jesus and it was done. But they kept getting more powerful and more powerful. So what happened? The Jewish religious church started withholding funds for them. They wouldn't support them as they did before because now they're, they're Christians or Jewish Christians. 
So they had to begin to support their own ministry. So the first thing they did was like a garage sale or a yard sale. Like literally a yard sale. He said, sell, if you have extra property, sell property. But what the early church did was they began to sell off things, extra things they had to support what God was doing with the ministry that they had. And inside of all that, we meet two people who made a very big mistake, and they're Ananias and Sapphira. And what happened was they saw these people coming and selling things and, and giving, and they saw all the joy people had. They saw how maybe people were respected, and they were like, you know what? Why don't we get in on this? I want to be respected and liked. I want people to think well of me. So let's, let's hop on the, the, the bandwagon too. Look what happens in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. It says, but there's a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount. And with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. That word kept is very important there. Do not miss that. We'll, we'll revisit that again. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some of the money for yourself. And this is what I like here. He says, the property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. Peter's like, I didn't ask you to do that. We're not asking you to, to go do things like that. He said, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. I would have been too, right? And then some of the young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, I guess his wife was shopping with the money they had, right? Three hours later, <laughs> uh, the husbands all laugh and the wives give me side eyes there. So Peter asked her, was this price you and your husband, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried you or buried your husband are, all, are outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. That was funny to somebody, I guess. I guess, I guess they really, they got a good sense of humor like I do. It's one of those sarcastic senses of humor. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great Fear gripped the entire church uh, and everyone else who heard what had happened. I would, it would have feel, I'd, I'd have been fearful too. I'd been like, hey, Peter, you need the extra offering, man? You need some more money? Like, like what do y'all need? Um, but what I want to talk to you about here is not about money. It's not about, you know, whether or how they died or what happened there. What I want to talk to you about is something they lacked. And that's something I believe that not only every person should live by, but every Christ follower should live by. And it's what the contractor lacked. When they renovated that house, it's something called integrity. If you have your notes handy, write this down, because this is the main idea from Acts 5, is that integrity is important. I want to talk to you about that. If I could encourage you, if I had one more message to speak to you the rest of my life, it would be this here, because integrity is key for the follower of Jesus in their life. Integrity is this. When you came in, you sat down in a chair. You're sitting in that chair now. Have you thought twice about that chair breaking and falling? No. Right? Like, like, I mean, you would not, like, go sit in a chair that looked rickety. You'd be like, I don't, I ain't trusting that thing. I ain't getting involved in that, right? The same thing is true for me. When I go to an amusement park, you know what I don't ride is a wooden roller coaster. <laughs> Y'all, we're in 2023. I'm not getting on a wooden roller coaster. To be sure, we have advanced way far past that, and it looks rickety. 
I don't trust the integrity, the integrity of that roller coaster. And the same thing is true with physical objects we sit in. We will trust or not trust the integrity. That word integrity comes from the word integer, meaning whole, complete, strong. And for us as followers of Jesus, integrity is really important that we understand that our lives need to be whole. We need to be all in for Jesus, serving him, obeying his word, and doing what he's called us to do. Because that's where not only the life of blessing is going to come, if you want God's blessing in your life, read the word and obey the word. You'll, you will be planted and you'll flourish as it says in Psalms 1, when you meditate upon that word. and read. But number two, here's why integrity is important. Because people are watching your life. And a lot of people will, will never step into a, uh, to a church. A lot of them will never read the Gospels, but they're going to read your life. And if you're always cutting corners and leaving work early and, and lying and owing people money and doing all this stuff, and you're always doing that, then people will judge Jesus based on your life. Because you may be the only Jesus that they come in contact with, the only Christian they come in contact with. And integrity is key. For me, when I, when I gave my life to Jesus, I'll never forget how hard it was to share the gospel with some of the guys I work with. And it's not because they didn't want to learn, but there was a man named Charlie there. This is many, many years ago. I'll never forget that Charlie was a preacher. And Charlie was your character of a preacher. He had women on the side and owed everybody money. And everybody knew it. And he, every, every, at that job, he owed everybody money. He would cut corners. He'd come late, leave early. I mean, we had women showing up at one of the offices, like the concrete plants, like wanting to kill Charlie. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that, that is kind of like, in a way, it, it's funny on, on front hand, but here's what would happen. I would talk about Christ, and I'd talk about the changes made in my life, and all the guys knew it. They knew me B.C. and A.D., before and after Christ. They knew it. But here's what they would say to me, but what about Charlie? Charlie was my biggest obstacle to sharing Jesus because Charlie lacked integrity. And so I think as a follower of Jesus, if you're saying I follow Christ, then our goal has got to be I'm going to live with integrity. And here is a good working definition of integrity. Integrity is doing what God calls you to do even when it costs you greatly. Integrity is doing what God's calling you to do, even though it may cost you greatly. When I built my, my first house, or the only house I built, I had a different builder I worked with. That builder didn't cut corners. That builder went above and beyond and put things on that house that didn't have to. It cost them. And that house was built in an amazing way because they went above and beyond. It cost them something. The other guy, he cut corners. He didn't want it to cost him anything. And when you and I call ourselves followers of Jesus, you have to look and say, what, what is God calling me to? And is it costing me something? Is there something in my life? And here's the two sides of the coin of integrity. Imagine a head and a tails, right? Tails is this. What things do I need to get rid of in my life to represent Christ better? Are there, is there anger? Is there a tendency to, to lie? Is there a tendency to not really be all engaged at work? Is there a tendency to just go with the culture and the flow? Is there a tendency to fall into a certain addiction? What is that you've got to get rid of to build integrity? That's the first thing you have to do is get rid of things. But many times we think that's all integrity is. And yes, can I tell you, there is a void that has to happen and you have to get rid of things. When I first gave my life to Christ, I literally got rid of everything. And I had to. 
I had to completely sever my life from the world. I'm talking about PlayStation, Guitar World, and anything I had that would tie me there for that season, I had to. Now, yes, I play PlayStation now, and yes, I have Guitar I watch Guitar World online and, and play. But that day and time, it cost me all my friends. When I gave my life to Jesus, every friend I had left. They wanted nothing to do with me. I was a lonely 20-year-old guy who had nothing to do on the weekends, and no friends to hang out with. And it cost something. I had to get rid of things. But here's the other side of integrity. It's you then building your life by obeying God's Word and doing what you're supposed to do. It's then leaning into Jesus and studying His Word and praying and spending time with Him and being engaged in the mission of God. Integrity is also not just doing, not doing the wrong thing, but it's doing the right thing as well. And many times we spend time with our young people telling them to stop doing a bunch of stuff, but we never tell them what to start doing. And we have to have those two sides of the coin. And so you have to ask the question when it comes to it costing you something, what will it cost me if I don't do it? What is it going to cost me if I don't do this? Like, I, I know the Lord wants me to do this. I know I need to get rid of this. I know I need to take this next step. Whatever that is, what will it cost me if I don't do it? And F.F. Bruce, the commentator, actually shares, um, which is amazing, the Old Testament parallel to this New Testament passage. And there's one word that ties these two together. That word kept, I shared earlier, remember? They kept the money. That word there in the Greek has a certain connotation. And there's a passage in Joshua 7 that has the same word in Hebrew, and they both have the same connotation. That word means to steal, to steal something. They stole. Well, who did they steal from? They stole from God. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, everything you have is the Lord's. You own nothing. He bought you with a price. And so they use that same word there, and he, and he points back, as, as I was studying this, he points back to Joshua chapter 7. So you can understand the ramifications if you don't do it, what happens. And Joshua 7 is when the Lord told them to go through the camp to destroy all the, all the enemies there. And the reason is those enemies wanted to destroy the Israelites. If they did, there's no Jesus. That's very important. So God's like, wipe them out, dude. We, we cannot risk not, not having Jesus. He's got to come through the line of, of you know, the Jewish line. And, it all, and so they, they do that. And he said then, he said, don't keep anything for yourself. Matter of fact, there are sacred things there you need to bring to my temple. Don't keep it. Well, there was one man named Achan who did not obey the Lord. Don't you look at this in Joshua chapter 7. It says, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Now watch this. Who violated? The writer here says Israel. But watch this. A man named Achan had stolen some of the de these dedicated things, and so the Lord was very angry with who? The Israelites. Very important. God blamed Israel, not just Achan. This is key here. It says, Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. And what happened was this. Achan went in, when they went through the camp, and started stuffing things in a bag, saying, oh, I'm going to keep this. Oh, this is good here. I, I could really use this. Mm, this is going to be good. You know, he probably thought, I deserve this. The Lord really doesn't care. And he put all those things in there, and, he, and he, then he hid them in his tent. And the Lord revealed to Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Somebody here has some very gross sin that needs to be dealt with. And so what happens with that? Then the Lord says, it's Achan. And here's what happened to Achan. They stoned his whole family. Whole family. And here's what you have to understand about the body of Christ and about Israel. When he, both of those, Ananias and Sapphira and Achan. Your faith is not private, even though it's personal. 
Christianity is not an individual sport, it's a team sport. When you give your life to Jesus, you're then spiritually baptized into the body of Christ. That means every one of us are interconnected. That means when you hurt, I hurt. When you have joys, I have joys. Paul compares us to a body. He says it's like ligaments that feed and blood flows, and if you're cut off, you don't have that. And so understand that Achan affected all of Israel by his sin. Ananias and Sapphira affected the whole group, the community of believers there, by their sin there. And let's just be honest, what will it cost me if I don't do it? It's going to hurt other people. Because there are people who are depending upon you. And anytime we keep back what the Lord has given to us, some of you have gifts and talents that you are not using for the Lord. You're keeping it back. Some of you financially, you know the Lord's calling you to support something, to do something, and you're, just, you're keeping it back. You know you're supposed to share your faith with someone, but you're keeping it back. And the picture the Lord is showing why this is so serious to God is because it's not just about you. It's about all the people that need to be impacted by what God is calling you to do. And here's my fear, guys. If we lack integrity, we will end up serving our own interest instead of God's interest. Well, what's the similarity between Achan and Ananias and Sapphira? They both served their own interest. It was all about image for Ananias and Sapphira. I want to look good in front of people. I want them to think that we're, that, man, that we're part of it, that we're giving. It's like back in the day when you had your name on the side of the pew, your family name, right? It's like, I want my name on the side of the pew. I'm going to give this one time just so we can get that. It was all about image. It wasn't about integrity. And can I tell you, if you ever seek to live for image and the way people view you, it's going to cost you integrity. But when you live with integrity, can I tell you what's going to happen there? Then it's going to hurt your image sometimes. Because there's times you've got to speak truth to people. There's times you've got to stand up. There's times you've got to say no. There's times you're not going to fit in with the crowd because you're following Jesus. And the key about integrity is this. If you're saying, well, I'm a good person, I do good things. Integrity has nothing to do with being good if you're a follower of Jesus. Integrity has everything to do about being godly, not being good. There's a big difference. Being godly is you open the scriptures up and you say, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to, I want to, to set the standard for my home. I want to see your blessing on my life. I want to bless others. And that's called being godly. Being good is you, you by your own standards and morals and values. And who even knows what that is because everybody's just so different, right? And my fear is if we, if we don't lean into integrity and we don't leave here today saying, man, I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm going to do what I said I'll do. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to stay late. I'm, gonna set, I'm not going to be Charlie to everybody around me. I'm going to show them Jesus. If we don't do that, we'll end up serving our own interests, and you're going to miss out on God's interest. And yes, it will cost you when you serve God's interest. As a matter of fact, think about Jesus. Some of you may think of Jesus as some just superhuman who was totally detached from the world. But Jesus struggled, struggled greatly, and especially at one point, which is one of my favorite portions of Scripture you'll hear me share over and over again. It was, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before he was, the night that he would be betrayed and crucified, he goes and he prays. And Jesus was in such a struggle that he was sweating blood, such anxiety. It's actually a medical condition that can happen. And we get a glimpse into that prayer. And Jesus' prayer was this. He said, Father, if there's any other way for salvation for mankind, let it happen. He said, this cup can pass from me. If Buddha can save mankind, let Buddha do it. 
If Muhammad can save mankind, let Muhammad do it. If Moses, if my own religion could do it, can he please do it? If Gandhi could do it, we could all be reincarnated. Let that happen. Because I don't want to go through this suffering of the cross. Jesus had our own personal interest because he did not want to have to face the suffering he was going to go through. But then he said that the next statement was, nevertheless, not my will, not my interest, but your interest be done. And Jesus gave his life up and suffered and took the wrath of sin for all of us so we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so what we have to understand is this, as Christ followers, since he did that for us, here's what we must do. Never offer Christ something that cost you nothing. Never offer Christ something that cost you nothing. Get some skin in the game. Let it hurt a little bit. Like, we're, I know we're all at Mother's Day, but men, can I speak to you for a second? Let your family see that you got skin in the game for Jesus. I want my son to see that it costs me to serve Jesus. I want him to see that Jesus means a lot to me, and this is going to cost me something in life, right? I never forget my mom, like, it was, like my dad did not want me to go into ministry because he knew that it's, there, you just, it's, it's not, there's not really a high pay rate in ministry, right? And so he wanted me to do computers or whatever, but I went into ministry. He reluctantly supported me, wasn't a believer. And my mom gave me this little thing. She said, well, honey, she gave this to me. She's super encouraging. And she passed away 11 years ago. And so she gave me this, this little thing, and it said this. It says, ministry may not pay much, but retirement's out of this world. I was like, gee, thanks, Mama. I'll, you know, one day I'll have a mansion in heaven, right? <laughs> but ever since I gave my life to Christ, ever since, it's always cost me something. And that's what the litmus test that I look at. I'm like, is Jesus still costing me anything? What, what is it? What pleasures is Jesus costing me? What, what type of decisions? Maybe I don't, ha I don't have the 401K. I don't have that. I don't have that stuff. What is it? And I still try to see, does he cost me with time? Does he cost me with my treasures, my talents? What is he costing me? And we need to think of the same way. And really the, the example of integrity is David in the Old Testament. King David was the, like, king of the Old Testament. He was the one that everybody set the gold standard by. But David was not perfect. If you think integrity is always being perfect, then, then you're missing out. Because David made crucial mistakes he made really bad decisions, but what David had was humility. Integrity has humility. What Charlie should have done was go back and pay those people and make it right with them and say, please forgive me for I've wronged you and I've, I've, I've tainted the image of Jesus to you. He didn't do that. David, at every juncture when he messed up, when he made a mistake, when he willfully sinned, you know what he did? He went and tried to make it right. And in 2 Samuel 24, that's what happens. So the Lord tells him at this big battle is going to happen. He was the, you know, chief commander there. And, and the Lord said, do not count the numbers of troops and do not put your trust in how many troops and your military power. Guess what David did? He went and did that. <laughs> he went and did a census. And he's counting his troops and his weapons. And he's really figuring out, how much do I have? Can't, do I have enough to do this? And the Lord gets upset with David, says, you've willfully sinned against me. I'm sending a plague now to the land. And so the Lord sends a plague through the land. And David knows that he must stand in the gap and offer a sacrifice to the Lord. He must go to a threshing floor at the altar, and he must make this sacrifice. And when he gets there, he finds a man named Arana who has the threshing floor. He says, hey, can I use this? I need to offer a sacrifice for Israel to stop this thing. 
David was trying to make it right. That's what integrity does. I'm going to make it right. And Arona gives him an offer that he can't refuse, right? <laughs> he says, I will give you everything you need for this offering. I've got everything for the sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice anything, David. Now, me and you'd be like, wow, God, he did it again. Look at God. But look at what happens in 2 Samuel 24, 24, and look how David responds. But the king replied to Arona, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. David said, I want it to cost me something. I want to make sure the Lord knows that there's skin in the game there. And the question that I want to ask as we close out today on Mother's Day is this, are there areas of my life, you should ask this question to yourself, are there areas of my life where following God's will is costing me something? Because Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And there should be areas of our life, I don't know what those areas for you are. And I'm not here to like guilt trip you into something or do something. Here's what I want you to do. For some of you, you don't know Jesus. And maybe you walked away from your faith, and maybe you had a bad version of Christianity, and you got hurt. And you keep God at arm's distance, and the Lord's saying today, what you need to do is give me your life. Like, you need to go ahead and be all in for once, and you know today's the day. For some of you in here who are believers, the Lord's speaking to your heart. You just, you, you've been feeling that the Lord's asking you to do more for him. And I don't know what that means for you, but you've got to ask the question, is it costing me time, spending time in prayer and in the Word? Like when I sit down, guys, I told you last week that I can sit down and do ministry, and ministry can take over my personal time with God. Because if i got, a, if I got two hours, if I take 30 minutes of just devotion and writing and journaling, I have less time to do things for God, to write and do things. You know what I have to do? I have to say this, no, 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 it's going to cost me in my personal time. It should cost you. I mean, do, do you serve the, the Lord at your local church? Is this it in your local church? Is it costing you to get up a little earlier on Sunday mornings? I'm all in your cornflakes on Mama's Day. You thought you'd come to hear something about Mother's Day, didn't you? About Mama's. Is it costing you something even financially? Like, like what's the Lord calling you to do? I don't know. And like we say all the time, you don't, you don't have to give here. Give somewhere else. I mean, what is it costing you friendships? Is it costing something about your image? Because people say, oh, you're one of those who believe in the Bible. Oh. oh, you're one of those religious people. Is it costing you something? Because what we have to determine is I will never offer Christ something that doesn't cost me something in my life. It doesn't cost me anything. He deserves that. Think about Jesus. He did not want to have to go to the cross. He did not want to have to suffer. And he didn't do it for himself. He did it for you and me. And he went to the cross. And he died on the cross. And he was resurrected on the third day. And went through all of that. And sacrificed as a model for us that that should be our, our way of life as Christ followers. It's sacrificial. So today, think about it with integrity. What is God asking you that's going to cost you to walk away from, from, from something? And then what is God asking you to walk into? to build in your life. What is it the Lord's speaking to you? And when you begin to do that, can I tell you, Psalm 1, you go read Psalm 1, because blessed are those who decide to cut off 
some negative, toxic people and negative, toxic uh, habits. Blessed are those who do And then blessed are those who meditate upon the word of the Lord. For they will be like trees planted by the river, flourishing. And if you want that, say, God, help me with integrity. So we don't want to do this morning. I want to pray for you with that because this is a big ask. I'm asking you a lot, right? To sacrifice for Jesus. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit to help you. So I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we know that there's areas you're calling us to. We've, some of us have just ignored them for years. We've ignored your still, small voice telling us. But today, we choose to follow you with integrity. We choose to present a life to the world where they can see Jesus. That even when we mess up, we come and we ask for forgiveness to them. We have humility. God, may we be people of integrity that are godly. And that people look at our life as attractive as we follow you, Lord, because it costs us something. And Lord, we pray for all of those who are watching our lives from afar, that they would see you in all that we do. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And as we're praying today, church, maybe you uh, have walked away from the Lord. You're not walking with the Lord. Maybe you never have given your life to Christ. Today is your day to do it. And you know that you've been wanting to make this decision. If that's you today, whether you're online or you're physically in here today, if you want to make that decision, it's very simple. You confess. And here's what you're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. You're going to pray this prayer after me. And it's this. You say, God, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. Today, I give my life to Jesus. I believe that he's Lord. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. Today I make him my Lord. I repent and turn away from that old life, that worthless life. And I receive new life today in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me, and thank you for your blessing on me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you will, celebrate with everyone and anyone who made that decision physically or online today, the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life. Now what I want you to do, don't you stand to your feet, because what we're going to do is we're going to worship and take some time to spend time with the Lord and ask the Lord in your heart or verbally or in your mind, what's he asking of you? What's the sacrifice he's calling you to?